0: This is the Breaker.News podcast for the week of May 30th, 2021. I'm Bob Mackin, publisher of the Breaker.News and host of the Breaker.News podcast. Welcome to edition number 188. The Breaker is your source for news, opinion, and analysis about British Columbia issues, institutions, and influencers. Later, I'll tell you how you can support The Breaker. On this edition, headlines from the Pacific Rim and the Pacific Northwest. The Is It Just Me commentary. I award a virtual Nanaimo bar to a difference maker. And the big deal feature. Should the Tokyo Olympics be postponed or cancelled? Should the Beijing Winter Olympics be moved or boycotted? The future is now for the Five Ring Circus. We talk about the impacts of the pandemic on Japan and human rights in China with guests Dave Olson in Okayama, Japan, and Ivy Lee of the Canadian Friends of Hong Kong. But first, is it just me? (music) Is it just me, or did the NDP look bad last week? Federal leader Jagmeet Singh was captured on video in a maskless hug with an Ontario political aide. What a covidiot. A closer look at the Global News video shows that the part-time Burnaby resident's car is a sporty BMW Z4. The leader of Canada's party for the 99% drives a German luxury car for the 1%. It's also gas-fueled. Meanwhile, in British Columbia, only 160,000 people have had their second dose of the coronavirus vaccine. That's roughly three sellouts at BC Play Stadium. In Washington State, the number is 3.1 million which is 43 sellouts of Lumen Field, the home of the Seahawks and Sounders. The NDP government's circuit breaker ended on Victoria Day, and it announced the four-step reopening plan the next day. It relies on first-dose milestones between June 15th and (laughs) September... The NDP government's circuit breaker ended on Victoria Day and it announced a four-step reopening plan the next day. It relies on first-dose milestones between mid-June and the day after Labor Day. For some reason, it does not include two-dose milestones. The waiting period in BC is being cut from 16 weeks to 8 weeks for the second jab. Meanwhile, in Ontario, it's now down to four weeks. That might have something to do with Ontario being home to just under 50% of Trudeau Liberal MPs and Trudeau's desire for a fall election. That's right, a one-dose summer and then a one-vote fall. Meanwhile, BC is in a race with the Indian variant. Despite the cheerful optimism of Premier John Horgan, this pandemic is not over yet. What do you think? Email bob at thebreaker.news. ...news podcast for Around the Rim. We look at news headlines around the Pacific Rim. In Apple Daily. The weather is typically bad. No, it's rarely bad. Shepherd in Gansu Marathon Rescue changes his tune. The fickle weather accounts by local shepherd Zhu Qiming raised suspicions that local authorities in Gansu province were trying to cover up mistakes by manipulating the narrative of a tragedy which shook the country. 21 people died of hypothermia during the 100-kilometer race organized by Gansu Shangjing Sports Culture Development Company. But Zhu saved six trail runners by leading them into a cave. In the Taiwan news, Foxconn founder looking for 10 million vaccine doses for Taiwan. Terry Gu wants to buy 10 million doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine from overseas. President Tsai Ing-wen earlier said that all requests for vaccines from overseas would have to pass through the central government. Some local governments run by the opposition Kuomintang have expressed a willingness to buy vaccines directly from China. In ABC News Australia, dozens descend on Pacific Fair to protest alleged staff treatment of breastfeeding mother. Dozens of mothers and supporters peacefully protested at a Gold Coast shopping center. It comes after an incident between a breastfeeding mother and a staff member at Pacific Fair last weekend. According to the spokesperson, the incident did not meet the center's standards of customer care and multiple staff members have apologized. In Australia, women are legally allowed to breastfeed their children anywhere at any time. That's Around the Rim on this edition of the Breaker.News podcast. Now it's time on the Breaker.News podcast for Cascadia Calling. We look at news headlines around the Pacific Northwest. In the Bellingham Herald, Municipal Court Judge Suze Bellingham, Mayor. Here's what she alleges. Bellingham Municipal Court Judge Deborah Lev filed for an injunction against the city and Mayor Seth Fleetwood. According to the lawsuit, the city began investigating complaints about the working conditions at the Municipal Court in April 2021. The city hired Sarah Hale, an Oregon attorney who is licensed to practice in Washington, to investigate the complaints and determine if court staff had violated city policies or state law, according to court records. But Lev informed the city through a city attorney that its actions violated General Rule 29 and Separation of Powers principles. In the Oregonian, investigation continues into death of popular Freddie Mercury impersonator found in Willamette River. Portland police are continuing an investigation into the death of Michael Watts, a 37-year-old Eugene man reported missing after leaving for Portland on May 1st. Watts performed under the stage name Freddie Hollywood, and was in downtown Portland to visit friends and discuss upcoming performances with a local venue when he went missing. In the Seattle Times, three Tacoma officers charged with felonies in the killing of Manuel Ellis. After a year of protests forced a reckoning on police accountability, three Tacoma police officers will face felony charges for the killing of Manuel Ellis, matching in one day the number of officers prosecuted in Washington for deadly use of force over the past 40 years. Attorney General Bob Ferguson, who took over the case after a botched local investigation, announced that Matthew Collins, 38, and Christopher Shane Burbank, 35, will face second-degree murder and first-degree manslaughter charges, and Officer Timothy Timmy Rankin, 32, is charged with first-degree manslaughter. That's Cascadia calling on this edition of the Breaker.News podcast. This is the Big Deal Feature on the Breaker.News podcast. In less than two months, the Olympic cauldron is scheduled to be burning in Tokyo, despite the global pandemic. The International Olympic Committee delayed the Games by a year and says the show must go on beginning July 23rd. But Japanese politicians, doctors, business people, common people, and even a media sponsor, the Asahi Shimbun, all say it should be postponed or even cancelled. There are too many people in Japan with coronavirus and too few people with the vaccine. Could the Games spark a super-spreader? It is not the kind of Olympic fever that Japan wanted when IOC President Jacques Rogge announced the host city at Buenos Aires in 2013.
1: The International Olympic Committee has the honour of announcing that the Games of the 32nd Olympiad in 2020 are awarded to the city of tokyo yeah!
0: we're going to go to japan right now uh, via zoom to dave olson a vancouverite now living in Okyama, japan dave has been watching this roller coaster story progress over the months uh, dave What is it like on the ground in Japan? What is the feeling of the Japanese uh, as the uh, world spotlight shifts to Japan for the Olympics this summer, which may or may not happen?
2: Well, thanks for having me on again, Bob. It's a real interesting story and a real interesting time in Japan. In general, there's a series of frustration and betrayal and even a little bit of embarrassment. And let me unpack that a little bit. Last summer, well, last spring, when the Olympics were delayed, Japan was rolling through the pandemic Quite well, considering it was the second country to experience the virus. But the caseloads were uh, completely under control. The hospitals were fine, but the rest of the world was struggling. So Japan said, great, let's delay this and let the world catch up and figure this out. Now, as it goes, Japan is having a rough time of it now, as are some other countries in Asia. And yet the rest of the world, instead of saying, "Okay, Japan, what do you need for help? What do you need some time here? What can we do? We get the IOC coming out with these heavy-handed statements and this completely tone-deaf messaging that impacts everything from the economics of small businesses in Japan who aren't going to have any benefit of overseas visitors to all the way to the sovereignty of this country in order to say no we're not comfortable with this. The people of Japan have been dealing with closed borders for well over a year including some foreign residents who haven't been able to get back into the country, people with homes and families, people who were planning to go to university here, have jobs, everything was set, but they couldn't even get in. And now all of a sudden, the U.S. comes out with the travel advisory, don't go to Japan, and Japan's saying, well, you're not allowed in here anyway. And then IOC is coming out saying, well, 14,000 athletes will all be in a bubble. We're convinced it will be safe. Well, how about the 60,000 quote unquote IOC Olympic family and grand sponsors and VIPs who are coming as well. Are they gonna be in a bubble? Absolutely not. Instead, they're staying at luxury hotels underwritten by, you guessed it, the Japanese taxpayer. And besides Dick Pound's comments about uh, the, the show's going on whether you want it to or not, he also uh, came out and, and said that 99.5% of the people experience the Olympics on TV. So what does it matter if there's no spectators? What does it matter? if Japanese people can't show their hospitality and put their best foot forward, put their best face forward to the world. The whole thing has really become a travesty and, and and a frustrating embarrassment while people are really struggling just to get the vaccines and get their lives rolling again.
0: The Summer Olympics Festival is already underway. It began with the start of the torch relay, which is working its way through Japan. But this is not a normal torch relay. Because of the pandemic.
2: Well, it hasn't even been on the streets and the sidewalks. What they do is they bring the flame into a closed off, a walled off plaza, and the torch bearers, like you once were, um, basically hand the thing off to each other. They call it a torch kiss, um, but it's all behind uh, walls. They do some photo ops, but it's, so it's not even happening on the streets. It, it started on the streets, but the municipalities were shutting it down as it went along. Uh, The torch was through my uh, beloved new home city here just a week or two ago on the 16th, and again it was behind walls. Two days before that, I might have the dates mixed up, but uh, Thomas Bach, IOC president, who has now become public enemy number one to the usually stoic and respectful Japanese, was scheduled to be in Hiroshima for the obligatory photo op in front of the atomic bomb dome with the torch he canceled that because it would be too emotionally difficult (laughs) but uh you know and that leads to another thing about the olympic festival you know you and i bob having attended games use certainly many of them know that Olympics see on the TV with the gold medal performances and whatnot is very different than the Olympics on the ground. The Olympics on the ground is a litany of international good times. You know, those memories that you have, and folks in Vancouver, remember this, is those Watvians you met at a bar one night who have become your best friends. And the only ticket you could get was a preliminary round of something, but wow, was that awesome. Or those other people that came in and you were able to give them directions and you ended up being pen pals. Those are the kind of things that really happen. And the regular folks in Japan were obviously looking forward to that international-ness. Um, also, all the hospitality houses, all the extra attractions, and free live music, and all that kind of stuff going on. All of that is, is nixed. So really, what's the benefit of having these games that were originally billed as the let's recover Fukushima from the triple disaster on 311 10 years ago, to oh, this will be a, last year it was, oh, it'll be a celebration for the world overcoming Corona. Well, that's clearly not happening. And then, you know, there's, so who's getting the benefit? Well, really it's the IOC cashing the checks from the broadcast rights holders at the, at the expense of the Japanese citizens. And also with the unfairness shown to athletes from countries that are currently in crisis, how are, how's an athlete from India gonna feel comfortable leaving their family and coming to Japan to compete, to try to, to do their best when they have all this pressure at home. How are they logistically going to get here when there's been no airplanes coming into Japan really much for the last year and a half? A lot of these questions that aren't answered in the IOC's playbook that they keep talking about.
0: The torch relay is also the start of the marketing, merchandising and media push, as we saw for Vancouver 2010 to showcase the athletes. But have they turned on the hype machine in Japan?
2: Absolutely zero. And I talked to, with my in-laws about this too, so I can make sure it's not just my my perspective. Um, the only time I've seen any Olympic uh, material is uh, doing a quick safety stop at a convenience store, and there was a little sad paper shelf of some Olympic T-shirts. But Japan, you know, if you watched the World Rugby World Cup uh, a short while ago. There was huge excitement, huge support from the Japanese people who all adopted different countries, bought all the gear, were out there in force, you know, hosting teams in their villages and their towns. But there's been absolutely none of that. There's an absolute malaise and, like I said, frustration and even anger about the Olympics. So there's been nothing on TV, no banners or signs. Last summer, before the cancellation, there was these kinds of things. So of course, that was prepared for. But now there's a sense of like, holy smokes, we're trying to get all the 65 and older's and the medical frontline workers vaccinated, which is just really starting to pick up some pace. But you know that 5% number you mentioned off the top is a very generous number right now. Um, and that's really the concern rather than how are we gonna welcome all these folks for the Olympics. And again, the Japanese people put a huge amount of pride in hospitality, and really putting their best face forward for this and they're not in a position where they're able to do that so that really adds to the frustration a
0: group of scientists wrote to the new england journal of medicine last week they want the world health organization to immediately strike an emergency committee to save the games they say that the safest thing is to cancel the games but they also say the olympics could connect the world at a time of global disconnect the games could give people more hope but they could also give people more virus is this an opportunity to kickstart the vaccine rollout in Japan or can the games be saved at all?
2: The USA, which is the main TV consumer of the Olympics, as well as Europe and all these places around the world, people have been inside for a year and a half and they're going to spend two weeks to July glued to their TV set in the middle of the summer. That seems weird. Point two is the vaccines coming into Japan, Japan's taken much more of a containment approach to the virus leading up. and until. Six weeks ago, was doing all right. You know, we were down in my province to where it was case zero. Now we're back on the emergency alert. So, Japan took a long time to really approve the the vaccine, the vaccines, and just recently approved a couple others, the Moderna and the A Z. And there has been supply chain and delegation issues. You know, Japan went through a prime minister change in the middle of all of this, and Japan's rollout has hardly been exemplary. But I don't think the accelerating suddenly dumping a bunch of vaccines into Japan isn't going to, is going to solve the problems. The athletes have been offered free vaccines by both Pfizer and, and uh, Chinese vaccine makers, but that's a very tiny um, amount of people. So at my first instinct is to push this back to October as a compromise. Um, you know, the 1964 Olympics in Tokyo were held in October. The me- weather is much more favorable. A lot of vaccinations can happen between now and then. Not just Japan, but these countries like Nepal and India and Bangladesh, and even our neighbors here in, in, in Taiwan, uh, who did a great job of managing it until recently, and some other Asian neighbor countries are suddenly having a significant impact. You know, let's allow them and their athletes and their governments and their situations to catch up and revisit this in October. The IOC is not amenable to that at all, but I think the IOC is really uh, struggling with their reading the room with their communication. So I think the WHO's uh, comments are well-intentioned, but I don't think it's a problem of of vaccines, and I don't think the world needs uh, more TV to help us all come together. Folks have had plenty of TV the last 18 months. What we need now is safety and some fresh air.
0: That was my guest, Dave Olson, former Vancouverite, now living in Okayama, Japan. We'll stay in touch with Dave as the Tokyo Olympics saga continues.
2: The International Olympic Committee has the honor to announce the host city of the Olympic Winter Games 2020. 22. Beijing!
0: It's called the Never Again Campaign and the objective is to move the Olympics out of Beijing. The Raoul Wallenberg Centre for Human Rights, Canadian Friends of Hong Kong, Students for a Free Tibet Canada, Uyghur Rights Advocacy Project and Vancouver Uyghur Association are collaborating. They say that China does not deserve the 2022 Winter Olympics next February. The United States, United Kingdom and Canada have all declared China is committing genocide against Uyghur Muslims. It's the Chinese Communist Party's centennial year and Xi Jinping is flexing his muscles in a variety of ways in Xinjiang, Hong Kong, Tibet, Inner Mongolia and even threatening to invade Taiwan. China continues to hold Canada's two Michaels as hostages and it is refusing to allow a full and transparent investigation of the origins of the COVID-19 virus. One of the members of the Canadian Friends of Hong Kong is Ivy Lee. She's our guest on the Breaker.News podcast. Ivy, how did the coalition come together?
1: Well, we actually started with a Canadian joint statement uh, about a couple months ago, back in February. Uh, We have a petition already at that time. Uh, and after that, we found that uh, the Canadian government and the IOC have not responded and they they didn't do anything. So we are really dismayed about the inaction. And therefore, we decided that we are going to do follow up with an international campaign. And we invited the uh, Vancouver Uyghur Association to join us as co-initiator. So the original three uh, co-initiator of the Canada uh, joint statement. It was the uh, Canadian Friends of Hong Kong uh, Uyghur uh, Rice Advocacy Project, as well as the um, the uh, Tibet uh, Students for Free Tibet Canada. And this campaign, we have one more uh, group join us: Vancouver Uyghurs uh, Association.
0: Except for Russia, most of the countries that dominate the Winter Olympics traditionally are democracies. And those are the countries that the campaign is targeting. The kind of countries that should be concerned about human rights atrocities in China and also the security risks for athletes. China is still keeping the two Michaels jailed as hostages in the Meng Wanzhou
1: controversy. Yes, I mean, there's lots of evidence already, knowing that genocide is going on in Xinjiang uh, and Tibet has been already been decimated, their cultures, their language... Uh, and the human rights. And now it's Hong Kong and also Southern Mongolians are now experiencing similar situation. And therefore, we've locally, we're saying that if we send ethnics to Beijing, it will mean three things. First thing is that it means that we don't care about any violation of human rights by the Chinese Communist Party, including genocide, rape, and torture. The second thing it also means that We don't care about the safety and the dignity of our ethnics. We don't care if they are forced to become propaganda tools of a murderous foreign regime. And we don't care if they are being forced to self-censor or to be subjected to unacceptable surveillance or risk their biometric data being stolen when they are inside China. And it also means that we don't care about our own national security and democratic institution. If after so much evidence and information have been received, I mean, revealed in recent years of CCP's infiltration of Western democracy, and after witnessing CCP's numerous COVID lies, and after CCP took hostages of so many citizens of democratic countries, including our Hussein Sileo and our two Michaels, and we still see no need to punish Beijing. Instead, we reward Beijing with our Olympians and to make them look good. If we send our Olympians to Beijing, we are essentially saying that we don't care about many things that we have claimed that we care about, including the fundamental wellbeing of our country and the basic decency of our human society.
0: Beijing hosted the Summer Olympics in 2008 It was at a time when the West thought that more trade, more two-way engagement with sports and culture would help China open up and someday become a democracy. Very naive thinking. Here we are in 2021 and there are worries that Xi Jinping wants to use the 2022 Winter Games like Adolf Hitler used the Berlin 1936 Games. Is the campaign also looking at uh, pressuring sponsors? Uh, because the sponsors as well as the broadcasters are the ones that, that heavily fund the Olympic movement. And it seems sometimes the International Olympic Committee, the, the only language they understand is the language of uh, finance.
1: Well, that is why this campaign saying that we ask our government to move the uh, games with or without the IOC. Because essentially what IOC is doing now is to hold, I mean, the, I mean, the Olympians hostage by saying that well if you move and they um, they will lose the opportunity to uh, compete and they i mean and they will have to wait for another four years, and they may never have that chance again, but that's why this is a perfect solution we We move the game out of China, therefore our Olympians can actually uh, compete without any guilt, and they will still be competing with the best in the world because the top ten countries that will get the Olympic uh, Winter Olympic medals. uh, Except Russia, they are all democratic countries. In terms of the sponsors and also the the broadcasting uh, companies, that our government has the power to actually work together to say where we host uh, the uh, Olympic Games in order to allow the uh, sponsors can without any guilt to sponsor the the events. The same for the broadcaster. And one thing we have to remember that is that taxpayers fund the training of many Olympic athletes. And so we have a stake in it. And also the Olympians when they were in, when they are in the Olympics, they represent the countries. So we have a say and our elected government have the responsibility and the power to act. And if they are willing to act and cooperatively and the government fund suitable former Olympic host cities to speed up the games and in order, so each will hold part of it. And they have to make it happen with a very uh, focus onto the Olympians uh, sports. and And therefore in that way, then there's no reason why the sponsors and the uh, broadcasting companies that cannot be still doing a good job on it and still able to achieve what they want, which is to promoting their own corporate citizenship.
0: That was Ivy Lee of Canadian Friends of Hong Kong talking about the campaign to move the Olympics out of Beijing. The international petition is at change.org slash move the 2022 games.
1: The champion for change, move the games. Move the games. I had to have this talk with you. Humanity depends on
2: you for the love
1: of God. Go
0: That's the sound of the YVR Pop Choir, also known as the Chorus Studio, with its topical take on Dolly Parton's Maxine, called Vaccine. You can find it on YouTube. The Virtual Nanaimo Bar, brought to you by Spruce Hill Contracting. Every week we end the Breaker.News podcast on a tasty note by awarding the goodness of a virtual Nanaimo Bar to people making a difference. A virtual version of the province's favorite dessert bar goes this week to foster parents around British Columbia and those who are working to improve the lives of children and youth in provincial care. It is BC Child and Youth Care Week. You can nominate someone for a virtual Nanaimo bar. Send me an email to Bob at the news Spruce Hill Contracting. Custom homes and renovations. Find more information at sprucehill.ca.
1: So I'm very happy that I'm gonna get my Moderna shot today. And I wanted to tell everybody, I think you should get out there and do it too. I even changed one of my songs to fit the occasion. It goes, vaccine, 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 vaccine. I'm begging of you, please don't hesitate. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. Cause once you're dead, then that's a bit too late. <laughs> I know I'm trying to be funny now, but I'm dead serious about the vaccine. I think we all want to get back to normal, whatever that is, and that would be a great shot in the arm, wouldn't it?
0: Those are the sounds of country music legend and actress Dolly Parton on Twitter. That's it for the Breaker.News podcast for the week of May 30th, 2021. I'm Bob Mackin. thanks for joining me. Did you know that on May 30th in 1989, The Goddess of Democracy statue was unveiled by student protesters in Tiananmen Square in Beijing. Just days later, soldiers would violently end their peaceful protest. Now you know. Send me your feedback, send me your story ideas to bob at thebreaker.news. Bookmark thebreaker.news. You can also find us at thebreaker.ca. Sign up for the email newsletter and get updates to your inbox. For news as it happens, follow The Breaker News on Twitter and visit TheBreaker.News on Facebook. You can support The Breaker for as little as $2 a month. For more information, go to patreon.com slash thebreakernews. That's patreo dot com slash thebreakernews. Until next week.